0: Hey guys, just a quick heads up that this is the interview taken from the full The Gym Session podcast. So if you'd like to listen to the complete episode, you can find it on the Footy Live app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Buzzsprout. If you're enjoying the content, don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and share. If you're not, try to do it anyway so I can keep my job. Uh, That's all from me. Enjoy the interview and do all that stuff I said before so I can get my job. Okay, today's guest is one of the most popular, gifted and knowledgeable sports reporters and journalists in the country. He became a household name for soccer fans around Australia as an EPL and European football correspondent and entertained us all with his precise and insightful reporting. He's covered five Premier League seasons, three FIFA World Cups, two Ashes Tours, two British Opens and the 2014 Commonwealth Games. AFL fans are now lucky enough to be blessed by his thoughts and descriptions on Aussie rules after calling his first game for the ABC at the weekend. This man is loved by those who know him well, admired by many and respected by all. It's my great privilege to welcome one of the sharpest men we've ever heard in front of the mic to the gym session. It's Mr. Daniel Garb.
1: Garvey. how are you? I'm um, really good after that, James. Thank you. That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. That includes my mother. So thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank dear. you very much. Very nice intro, mate. Nah, no
0: problem, you. mate. You deserve it. Uh, apologies for calling it soccer as well. I know that's like a swear word to you and to me nah, sometimes it doesn't
1: as well. Bother me. It doesn't bother me that much, mate. We get too caught up in Little things sometimes. We, I'm not that bothered. Ah, uh, that's
0: right. We had to we had to make it clear because <laughs> most of uh, our listeners are AFL fans. But uh, secondly, congrats <laughs> on the call on on Saturday, mate. You're doing everything at the moment: A League, AFL, podcasting, uh, getting frustrated <laughs> by Liverpool, following the Eagles. What's <laughs> what's life like for you, mate? These days.
1: Yeah, I'm loving it. I love being involved in a number of sports. I know a lot of people uh, thought of me for a while as purely a, a soccer slash football man, but I've always been someone who's been into multiple sports growing up in perth i was aussie rules obsessed along with, with soccer i followed both sports religiously from a young age so it's not as if i've just come into aussie rules now yeah. i have growing up with it like everyone else has and growing up in perth you can't help but uh, yeah be swept up by aussie rules mania so both those sports those sports ran side by side for me growing up and then obviously i'm a cricket fan as well i'm a golf nut now too so i follow that closely and I've like many other sports along the journey as well and been lucky enough to cover them all closely. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be involved in numerous sports at the moment, the A-League as well, covering that for, uh, for the papers, and, uh, and the, uh, the AFL along with some other things. So, yeah, it's a good life as it stands right now after leaving Fox about a year ago.
0: Hey, before I ask about your reporting, um, you were born in South Africa. Was, was it your father who he came, you came over, obviously, to, to Perth? Was it from him you got your passion for sport?
1: Oh, no doubt, yeah. My dad's a sports sportsman like I am and uh, he played it religiously and uh, followed it very closely, you know, his whole life too. So yeah, like many kids, you follow your, your father's passion and I had no choice but to be exposed to sport, not just my father, but my grandfather as well and, and so from a very young age, I think it was pretty obvious, like so many others, that I was sport obsessed and I had an ability to consume information about sport from a young age and just get wrapped up in it and Want to discuss it? Probably above my years, you know, from a from a child. So yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And my dad, being South African, was a big rugby union fan. But then moving to Australia, he got caught up in Aussie rules pretty quickly as well, and coached my soccer teams, and always taught soccer with me too. So yeah, you know, all of those things, like hundreds of thousands of kids have experienced uh, in this country, um, yeah, they came from came from
0: my dad being a sports fan in australia we obviously have to wake up at all times of of the night how much do you actually sleep because you've got european soccer (laughs) afl a league you must be up all hours of the night and day how many hours of sleep do you get a week
1: yeah well when liverpool's on or when there's a big golf tournament on like the golf majors yeah not much um i've been known to get up at 3 4 5 a.m and then try and get another couple hours of sleep and then wake up and go about my day or just get up at 5 a.m. and bust through it like so many other people do. Yep, I'll be tired today, but no, it's all worth it to watch my team win a game or watch the end of a a golf major or something like that. So it's just what we do. And when we're passionate about something, it doesn't feel like it's too much of a chore waking up early because we're excited. Sometimes you can't even get to sleep or wake up multiple times in the middle of the night because you're hoping that a kickoff coming around or or something like that so Certainly. yeah it's been like that it's been like that for so many of us for so long hasn't
0: it yeah it has and i share the passion as well as you hey i'm interested in your in your prep because for both sports you're so precise your knowledge is ridiculous how good it is um i looked at your your sheet i think you took a picture on twitter um for your commentary mm. and i saw your names of players your dot points next to them i'm really curious about different commentators how they prep for games what's your method
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I've only done one AFL game. I have called a number of A-League games in the past on on radio. But yeah, I guess I've just learned from people who have been very experienced and very successful. That's all it was. I mean, I was lucky enough to do uh, WAPA in Perth, which is the WA Academy of Performing Arts, where a number of media professionals have come through. And I remember listening to a lecture from Glenn Mitchell, the famous ABC commentator who came in to speak to us. and, And he brought in his sheet of preparation for a game. And he showed us, Notes that he takes down, and you know, three or four notes on every player. And he says, You might only use 20% of them, but that 20% is enough to get you through a game. And, yes. and I you know, prepared the same way for my first game on the weekend, and then I found exactly that. You know, I probably only used 20% of the stuff that I took down, but it feels so good when you do use it and it's so important because it can get you through a, a quiet patch in the game or it can add a bit of information on a, on a big moment in the game when someone takes a big mark or something like that or has a shot on goal and you've got that extra bit of knowledge. It just makes you feel a lot more confident in the call and and obviously adds to the call, which is the most important thing. So, yeah, I spoke to a couple of people who have called um, regularly and just asked them what they do, and they shared that information with me. So I prepared accordingly, and uh, it worked out all right.
0: Yeah, it worked out perfectly. You absolutely killed it, mate. What is the next one coming up? Uh, When's your next game?
1: Yeah, so I'm doing Sydney and Collingwood this Saturday at the SDG, and uh, it looks like I'll be doing a number of... Uh, New South wales base games for ABC throughout the season, mm-hmm. so pretty excited by that.
0: Yeah, perfect. I'll ask you about the footy in a bit. Firstly, you were always a, a keen reader of newspapers as a kid. You followed the media very closely. Was it always a commentator or reporter, journalist? Is that what you always wanted to do growing up?
1: I think I always wanted to be involved in sport, yeah, one way or another. I was completely sport obsessed from a young age, um, just, you know completely immersed in everything that came with it and, and I think I realized earlier that I was obsessed with the media side of it you know we all love playing sport I still do but you know I was never going to be good enough or maybe I just was so into the media side of it that I never thought about being good enough um, because I, I just loved it I, I used to go to bed early on a Friday night because I couldn't wait for the paper to come on a Saturday morning <laughs> I could look through all the previews of the of the games and the night before I was just a nerd like that and yeah you know, I got swept up in all those sorts of things and I would sit in class and do my, you know, best ever West Coast team and best ever Perth Glory team and best ever Socceroos team and Liverpool team like you know, in science class in the nine So <laughs> you know, it probably says a lot about the way my uh, my school marks went in the end, but that's just all I wanted to think about well, was yeah. with sport and those sorts of things and Um, Yeah, I I didn't know that I would be media 100% when I finished school. I knew it would be the sporting industry, but once I had a chance to experience sports media, I'd never look back. I loved it. And to me, it never felt like work and it still doesn't. You know, it feels like fun. And I work on the weekends and people go, Oh, you have to work on the weekends. I'm like, I'd be watching it anyway. I get paid to watch it. Like, it's way better. (laughs) And I get the odd day off during the week to go and play golf and relax. So. Um, yeah, to me, perfect case scenario. So very, very fortunate.
0: That is a good job, mate. And you had one of the best jobs in the world. Well, it seemed like the best job in the world when you when you <laughs> moved overseas. So it was an interesting journey. You grew up in Perth, and I think you had some work for Channel Nine. Moved to Melbourne, worked at SEN. How did you end mm-hmm. up overseas?
1: Yeah, so that job, yeah, pretty much was the best job in the world. Certainly <laughs> felt like it. That's for sure. Covering the Premier League and European sports, the Fox Sports, five years, and getting to travel to. So many incredible places, which I'll never go to again, Um, never mind the COVID influence. We'll never go to some of these places again. They're just so random, but so brilliant as part of Socceroos tours and World Cups and and so on. So, yeah, I was working at SEN and and, and at Channel 9 at the same time. I was a news producer at Channel 9, but working at SEN as their football correspondent and covering the A-League and the Socceroos for them. And... A position came up at, at Fox, the guy who was doing it before me for a little bit, Dave DeVutovic, he's a prominent football journalist. Um, he was leading, so I got wind of that, put my name forward, and they basically said to me, yeah, you can go and have a crack. So it was a freelance position initially, um, but I thought, what an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Hadn't done much TV on screen before, but knew enough about how TV works behind the scenes from my time at nine, and and thought, i have just got to give it a crack and take the punch." If I don't do it now, well, I will get it for the rest of my life. So, Quit my job at Channel 9, uh, said I'm going over. Thought, yeah, if I stuff this up royally, I might only get one Premier League game or two Premier League games. It could be done, but I've got to give it a go. And I did, and was lucky enough that it lasted five years. So it was uh, the best decision I've ever made.
0: Yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, you've, you covered so much. You also did the Ashes and, and golf as well over there. But if you had to pick one moment, I know there's so many, Garby, but let's say three <laughs> moments, the top three of your, of your career overseas.
1: Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, the, one that, the two that stick out in the memory most, uh, my first season there when Aguero scored that goal uh, oh. to win Manchester City the title. That was my first Premier League season and I was lucky enough to be in the ground that day. You know, it's not so much a work point of view, but the work was obviously great covering that. But mm. just as a fan, being able to be there for that was incredible. Uh, that was just an unbelievable moment. From a work point of view, um, Leicester winning the league, covering that, because yeah. that was a long, drawn-out process. So the Man City moment was uh, the last month of the season and then that game. Leicester went on for like four to six months of mm-hmm. this constant progression of a story and the momentum that built around it and the unfathomable nature of it in a sporting sense, like the greatest on-field sporting achievement ever, arguably. Um, being there for that all the way through and covering it intimately, that was Remarkable. So really love that. Um, you know, outside of that, it's hard to pick. There's a number you can throw up. Just going to big Liverpool games and places like Manchester United and the Emirates and the Etihad every time was always a thrill. It never got old. It never got old from season one to season five. I love my golf. So the British Opens were really enjoyable events to cover. I'd probably say the Ashes, though. Ashes series are, are enormous, and I've been lucky enough to cover two of them in my time over there. And then a Cricket World Cup as well. Um, so they were they were up there, and and the, you know what the World Cup, they're covering Australia in a World Cup football, that can't be there. Yeah. Um, that is just something totally remarkable in terms of the energy around your nation, and they're covering the soccerers closely in those tournaments is, is something very special. So yeah, I'd probably say the Aguero goal, Lester, and then they're covering Australia in a World Cup, but the Ashes tours right up there as well. They were. That was very big.
0: Mm. Well, you're kicking goals now and you're, and you're doing everything brilliantly, but obviously last year uh, your journey at Fox Sports came to an end. How difficult mm. was that at the time?
1: Um, yeah, look, for me it wasn't as difficult as it may sound, only because I've been at Fox for nine years. Mm. I loved my time there. I'm hugely grateful for them for the opportunities they gave me, but you know, I was looking at maybe some other options at the time, to be honest um you know things had started to maybe plateau for me there and it felt like i needed a new challenge and to do something else so when the call came yeah look it's a shock you don't expect it to happen you know why it's happening it's cost cutting it happens everywhere there were lots of good people that were told their time was up because they had to cut their salaries you accept it in that regard it's a bit of a shock to your system and um a loss of identity in a way because I was Daniel Garb Fox Sports for almost 10 years like well what am I now you know what what am I known as that sort of thing plays in your mind but outside of that it was okay I mean you get a payout so you know financially you're okay for a bit and and then you've got lots of opportunities and I just started getting over it for a month and having some downtime and relaxing and you know it's all right well what's out there Let's let's put yourself out there again and see what you can experience. You weren't really enjoying things at Fox, so this can turn into a positive. Um, and it has done. It takes a bit of time, but a year on, it has done. And, and that's great. But I have no bitterness towards Fox at all. They were really good to me. Uh, they gave me the, the, you know, the best experiences imaginable for a long period of time. So... Yeah, it's it's all worked out well
0: in the end. It has, and now we can hear you uh, commentating AFL as well as as world football. Who's influenced you the most in terms of an AFL commentator? Is there someone who's inspired you or you like the way that they commentate? I know you're your own person, but who Mm. have you taken things from?
1: Yeah, it's probably a bit early nowadays to try and – base myself on someone I'm just trying to get it right first yeah. to make sure I can be up to the standard because I haven't done it much and, and it's a very difficult craft to try and master so at the moment I think I'm just trying to get to grips with what you need to do to call a game well and getting used to those sorts of things but you know growing up I love Dennis Cometti, especially mm. being a first person yeah. now no one's going to try and copy the way Dennis Cometti yeah. commentates because you can't he's probably the best ever and his idiosyncrasies that he had in his call and his his little wiki one-liners—you can't copy that because then you're a fraud, right? Yeah. You know that, that's Dennis. But I just loved his style growing up. And if you can put a little bit of commentary in the call from time to time, fantastic. Like Dennis did, it made such a big difference. But you can't copy the way that he did it. Uh, but growing up, he was the best. I love Anthony Hudson. I think mm-hmm. he's brilliant. Um, I think he's the best caller of the last ten years, without a doubt. He doesn't try and be. A funny man or anything like that. He just nails big moments time and time again and calls the game clearly. So I've always really enjoyed the way that he goes about it. Um, Adam Papalier, a youngster in WA, is someone that I went yep. to uni with and I love listening to him call. Adam and I were in Whopper together and I've always been really impressed by his career and the way he's gone about it. And I love listening to him commentate. I like commentating in that way. I don't think fans necessarily want to be. I think the entertainment aspect of commentary is overplayed. I think the entertainment is the game. And along with that, you just want a clean soundtrack that punctuates the game. And I think sometimes some commentators go too far and try to make the commentary the entertainment. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be that way. And I like the way that someone like Adam Papalia and Core, where the game is the entertainment, they just add to that rather than the other way around. And that, to me, is something that I think all commentators should do. And if I can do that, then that'd be great. But we'll wait and see if I can.
0: I'm sure you can, mate, and I'm, I'm backing you. I love the way you call the game. What does the future hold uh, for Daniel Garb? I know it looks like on the outside, everything you've wanted to achieve, you've done. So what's the next goal? What do you, what do you want to achieve in your career?
1: Yeah, it's not always that easy. It's, but I'm sure you've been a lot of hard work behind the scenes. And growing up in Perth, before I got my opportunities there, I did a lot of work for nothing on community radio stations and on websites that very few people read just trying to get into the industry. Lots and lots of work, but it never felt like work. I always really enjoyed it. So, yeah, there's been some ups and downs, but, you know, there's a lot of hard grass behind the scenes to make, you know, my dreams come true, like so many other people have in all their industries as well, of course. I'm not unique in that sense. And the future, look, I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing now with the ABC, commentating games, working in their sports department, hosting their podcasts, uh, covering games for the newspapers. Right, right now, I'm really enjoying that stuff and I'm not going to look too far ahead. I've got a great opportunity to commentate some games now and getting better at a very difficult craft is something I'm yeah, – that's the, the immediate focus for me. We'll see what happens after that if I can uh, master it.
0: Uh, good answer, mate. Uh, before I ask you uh, about some current footy uh, things, is there one piece of advice you could give to some aspiring sports media professionals? Is there a bit of advice that you received that really kind of changed your, your look on the professional world?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of little bits of advice. Calling on them all now is, is, is a difficult thing yeah. to do. But, you know, it's the odd cliche, but it's just it's just working hard. You know, if you love it, then you're willing to work hard at it and constantly put yourself out there. And I think it's you know, the important thing for young people coming through is when you get that opportunity to do work experience. Um, and I guess that's something I learned or, or did well when I came through is, you know, when I did work experience, I made myself heard enough but not too much. You know, and when you get that opportunity, it may just be as an as an intern or helping someone out, whatever it is, but probably no money. You know, you gotta you gotta have the confidence to prove to them that you you know what you're doing and you love it. Um don't just go to a, a newsroom or whatever and, and sit in the background and, and take notes for people and think that's enough. No, be assertive. So like I oh, I'd like to write a script uh, let me voice this. Can you give me some feedback? You know, really put yourself out there a little bit. Not too much. Don't annoy people. That's important. But get that balance right. And then the com- you'll show people then that you have confidence that you deserve a bigger chance. Um, and then when it comes to, to working hard, the reason why you work hard for nothing behind the scenes is to actually develop your own confidence. So you know, when it came to, for example, putting myself forward at Fox, I had the confidence to do that because I knew I'd done the hard work. I knew I'd put in enough time and years but not much reward behind the scenes at different radio stations over about a five-year period that I was like, you know what, I'm ready to take this opportunity now. Two or three years before, I might not have been. In fact, I wouldn't have been. And so I wouldn't have made that call. But you make it and you, you apply for something because you've got the confidence because you know you've put in the hard work. So it's not just about gaining experience and skills. It's about gaining confidence. So when that opportunity comes for a position that might be open or before someone... Considering a lead you might have for something that's available, you've got that confidence to do it because you've done the hard work. And I guess that's some advice that I can give that managed to work well for me over the journey.
0: I love that, Garvey. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Uh, and speaking of hard work, it took a bit of hard work to get the name of this segment. Now you probably won't like it, but we'll, we'll give it a go. All right. So um, uh, I'm going to do a very quick segment with you. Uh, we need some. Yep. We all need some extra energy for our weekly gym session. So let's make time. <laughs> for a healthy amount of garb loading? <laughs>
1: I do plenty of that, I assure you. Far too much.
0: Good. All right. got to ask you some wholesome questions, okay? And uh, you can give me some yep. answers full of uh, carbohydrates that will help us through another 40 weeks. <laughs> Strong opinions, Garb. Very okay. good. Here we go. Very
1: good. Yeah, I'm not sure about it. All
0: right. Should Willy Rioli play another game for the Eagles?
1: Possibly. Yeah. Look. He's stuffed up enormously. He's lost a lot of trust and faith from the club. I have no sympathy for him outside of what seems like an addiction to marijuana. (laughs) I have sympathy for him there, but he's been given a massive chance by the club and he's stuffed it up. Doesn't mean his career is necessarily over because if he doesn't have three strikes via the AFL's domestic drugs policy, he could technically still play. Now, the Eagles, I don't think, will let him play this season, as was the original plan. But if he gets himself on the straight and narrow and comes back to the start of pre season and he's ready to go, well, there's a chance it can happen. Obviously, those chances dwindle because of what's occurred in Darwin, but I wouldn't fully put a line through him yet. I'd say it's a 50 50 situation now.
0: Love it. Very strong. Good. Uh, is Hawthorne the furthest team away from a premiership?
1: Uh, no, I'd say North Melbourne is, but they're second. Yeah, I mean, I watched them against the Eagles last week and they were horrid. Mm. So they're the second worst team in the league after North. North, yeah, they may have more youngsters coming through, but there isn't too much there that excites you. The Hawthorne aren't far off. So I'd say second right now and they're not in a great way.
0: And speaking of North, should they get a priority pick, in your opinion? We'll be back after a quick
1: break. Um, possibly. I haven't looked at where they've been closely enough over the last few years. I'm not big on priority picks, so I don't, I don't like them in the AFL at all. Yeah. I think you finish last, you get the number one draft pick, you go from there. I think mm-hmm. priority picks that are a bit of a nonsense in general, so I don't like teams getting them. So I'll say no. I'll say no. I think okay. you have to be the most special case imaginable to get a priority pick and I don't think North quite fits that bill.
0: I like that. I agree with you 100. Uh, percent Scott Ly set. He received four weeks for that dangerous tackle on Ned McHenry. Was that fair? Four weeks for you?
1: I well, thought it was a little bit on the harsh side, but I understand the stance the ASL is taking. I think he got punished a bit more. He's a very big man, and Ned McHenry is a small man. I think if it was someone who was a little bit, who weighed a little bit more than Ned McHenry. The tackle isn't as severe, if you know what I mean, and uh, he's probably going to get two weeks. But that's the way it goes sometimes. You have to roll with that. You'll cop it. I, I just couldn't stand some of the social media abuse that he got. Yeah. I saw it on his Instagram, people telling him to kill himself and we know where you live and that sort of stuff. I mean, grow Fantastic. up. Come on. I mean, it's just insane what people are doing nowadays. And I felt sorry for him in that regard, but it was a yeah. very dangerous tackle. The AFL's got to stop out, stamp out, sorry. Um, head knocks and concussion as much as they can because it's a huge threat to the game. So, yeah, if he has to copy his whack because Ned McHenry is much smaller than him, then then so be it.
0: Will we see a new Premier this year?
1: A new Premier as in not Richmond? Not Richmond. Yes. I think it'll be Geelong or Port if I have to pick right now. Geelong or Port are my two picks. A line
0: line through the Tigers from Garvey.
1: I don't think think they've quite got it mentally to go again. I, I think they'll be up there. Yep. To get over the line again, you know, it's very difficult to do in what year? Year five just about of or year four of their of their time at the top, mentally you start to fade a touch. I think maybe that could be you know the issue for them.
0: Uh, as a West Coast fan, this is the last one, what would you give up for Patrick Cripps? Not much. Not much. Not a not fan. Not much. <laughs> I mean,
1: he's been a great player, but he's not a great player anymore. Like on form, he's a B grade midfielder. Sorry to say, and yeah. he's 26 and his body looks like it's letting him down a lot. Um, you know, we've got experienced midfielders and Shuey, Yo, Kelly, Gaff. I mean, if he was 22, 23, you'd look at it, but the Eagles need to replenish. So, and salary cap wise, we've got some, some stars on the books already. So, I don't think Cripps and the Eagles are a match at all. I don't see it working unless one of our established stars wants to leave, which I can't see happening. I think he's a better at the Dockers, where they might need a bit more experience in their midfield. But even from their point of view, the money that is on now at Carlton, I don't think he's worth that. And giving up a lot via a trade, I mean, he'd have to have a dramatic turnaround in the second half of the season It looks as if playing on the ball for so long, so young at Carlton, has started to take its toll. And that's not a surprise. It would on many a player and has on many a player before. And his body, unfortunately, starting it seems to fail him, but I hope he can turn it around because he's in one of my three fantasy teams
0: so that would be handy <laughs> that would be handy oh a bit of garb loading before the weekend that was perfect mate <laughs> hey with every guest i uh, do before i let you go we do 10 quick questions so the first thing that pops into your mind i'm gonna ask 10 quick ones all right okay
1: yeah
0: your favorite food Pasta. favorite movie
1: shawshank redemption good one
0: uh best person you've interviewed Mario Balicelli. Oh, that would have been the best. That would have been good. And I, actually, I remember that story. Sorry for interrupting. You you said, uh, I think you were the first one to interview him out of that pack because you knew that he gets a bit tired and cranky by the end. <laughs> so you made sure you were first. Was that right?
1: Yeah. So it used to work like that. They would put up a player for international media. We'd always yeah. try and jostle. And sometimes it's better it to go first. Sometimes it's better it to go last because the first person they can be nervous for, the last yeah. person they can warm up for more. and but I knew with Mario, he doesn't want to do this. So get in first when he's fresh, because yep. by the last person, he's had a gutful. So I managed to wrangle it that way, and he gave me a pretty good interview in the end.
0: Awesome. Who's the worst person you've <laughs> interviewed?
1: Oh geez, um, that's a tough one. Wow. Uh, Long list. <laughs> putting me on the spot with that one. Um, I honestly don't know. Pass for now. I'll try come back. Okay. To it.
0: All right. We'll ask you again at the end. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Paris. Paris. Nice. Favourite moment as a West Coast fan? Uh, 2018
1: Grand Final, only because I was there. 92 as a kid was so special, Um, but I was a youngster and I wasn't at the ground. 2018 being inside the ground, that feeling was unbelievable. So, yeah, 2018. Would have been good, that Dom Sheed goal.
0: Uh, Your favourite Mm. quote?
1: (sighs) Don't get bitter, get better.
0: Love it. Your favourite footy player of all time?
1: Chris Judd. Yeah, Good. watching him at the Eagles was just a pleasure. Um, I don't think I've seen a better player than Judd between 04 and 07. There's a bit of bias there, but I also watched him very closely. Yeah, Chris Judd nice. in what... that time was my favourite ever. Yep.
0: Good call. What makes you angry?
1: Uh, playing badly at golf makes me very angry.
0: <laughs> uh, and uh, the last one before we get back to the interview one, if you could have full control of creating a weekly footy show on TV, what would the theme be and who would you have hosting with you? <laughs>
1: oh, geez, full control of a... Honestly, okay, if I had full control of a footy show, yeah. I would do a footy show that has nothing to do with anything outside of what, what's actually happening on the field. Yep. So it's just like segments. So best player of the week, most improved player, rolling all Australian team, uh, best, uh, most underrated player. And just discuss all of that stuff. Yep. Just discuss the footing and then leave all the other stuff out. And I know there's a few shows that do a bit of that, but mm. like just the segment and categories. And just do all, you know, just the stuff that people are talking about around the bar, who's underrated, who's the best pick, all of that stuff, pure categories and pure footy. Yes. That would be it. Who would I want to do it with? Um, There's a lot of good people I enjoy talking footy with and, uh, and, yeah, talking about the game with. I like David King. I'm a fan of David King. I really enjoy the way he goes about it. He gets criticised a bit, but he'd probably be my pick Just top of my head.
0: And he loved that show too. He loves pure footy. He loves uh, yeah, talking to exactly. stats. All right, last one. You got to give me someone worst person you've interviewed. Oh, let
1: me think. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, okay, I've got one. Yeah, yeah, it's come forward. Now he's also the best I've interviewed. Okay. All right, So this is the contrast. Yeah. But Daniel Sturridge, yeah. for Liverpool was the biggest mix between a good and bad interview. Really? Why? So I interviewed him once. I interviewed him once before a Merseyside derby, and he was fantastic. He was engaging. He was. Funny, he was willing to do everything. We asked him to do the Sturridge dance on camera, and he did. Mm-hmm. Then I interviewed him like two games later after he scored a hat trick, yeah. and he barely said anything. <laughs> I couldn't work it out. <laughs> it was like there was like a different person that had taken over his body. All he did was wanted to thank God, and that was it. He barely answered a question that I asked him properly. Wow! You so go. that was yeah, the weirdest. I'm not going to say the worst because okay. you're know, you always enjoy an interview and get something out of it. but he's yep. the weirdest interview ever because the contrast between what he is <laughs> his best and his worst is, is dramatic
0: yeah there you go very interesting hey garby you're you're definitely in uh, in my top so thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate it i could speak to you all day mate but uh after i have to let you go because you are a busy man you've got to go get some sleep as well before you you stay up all night and watch some soccer
1: Exactly right, and uh, <laughs> mate, I was going to do a gym session today, but now I don't have to. You don't have to, so thanks Let's, very much,
0: mate. Yeah, no worries. I was going to do my uh, my carb loading, but I've got you, so it's, do a bit of carb loading. So it's brilliant. <laughs> I'll do I'll do the carb loading as well, unfortunately,
1: okay. but I'll, I'll do the gym session today.
0: <laughs> brilliant. thank you so much, Garvey. We'll speak again thanks, soon.
1: Mate. Cheers. Cheers.